I've just been trying to figure out, like, what is it that holds people back? Like, why do we get some people that they can't get better and they don't stay up there or they'll make some sales and have a great month or four or five and they fall off? Hey, this is Blake Sloan. I've been selling real estate over 14 years. Our team of highly trained professionals, along with our unmatched marketing, has sold thousands of homes here in the Myrtle Beach area, and this is how we do it. Right? Why does it people do that? And we were really kind of investigating that and teaching that um, in our warrior group last week. We just talked about how to cultivate an abundant mindset. What do you think that means? An abundant mindset. A valve that never turns off. Okay, I like that. A valve never turns off. What does that mean? No matter what, you just know you're going to have tomorrow, the next opportunity. The next so you feel like life has a, uh, or the world has a place of abundance versus what? Scarcity. Scarcity, right? So there's a scarcity mindset versus abundance mindset. And today I want to talk about, you know, one thing that's um, really drives everything in our life. And I want to talk about your view of money. And we'll talk about your view of money. And we can also look at it as what? Your worldview and your self-view of money. Right? So you have your worldview of money. Like, what is the world like? What are my stories around that? What are my values around that? And then also, what's my, my self-view about money? I just want to question your belief around it so I can figure out, hey, look, why do you keep getting off the horse and getting back off the horse? Or why do you find yourself in this place that's always painful or not? And I've really spent some time investigating my stories. I'll talk about some of that around money and what has to go with money. And so, interesting enough, it talks about and we really talked about this, um, how money in a way is spiritual uh, and how the, the world works and how things are attracted to in a way. And uh, one thing we talked about, one of the guys in Warrior just talked about, I thought it was very interesting. He said, what would God say on Judgment Day to you about how you manage your finances and how you manage your talents? And it was an interesting question to think about, right? And I didn't come up with this, but it was very interesting. He kind of shared some, some, some scripture in it, but um, I don't want to get too deep in this. But he talked about, and this year, this guy was a big stockbroker. He was worth $100 million in our group. Um, a little bit less than that, but he said that money is the most mentioned topic in the Bible. There's 800 direct mentions of money in the Bible, 2,300 verses on money, wealth, or possessions, and 11 of the 39 parables that Jesus used were about money. So it's safe to say that what? Money is an issue that you got to look at, right? And specifically your belief or your view about money is something I think that's very important uh, to understand as well. And he shared this really interesting parable it's the parable of talents. You may know about it, but it's Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. And I'll read it just so you can, and I'll share it. Maybe you guys see on the screen. But it's interesting to think about. It says, For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, another two, another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So what do you do there? Doubled it, right? He gave him five and he doubled it into ten, which is important to look at. So also, he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Interesting piece about that. And so that could also be looked at as what? A talent, not just money, right? In a way, you understand that what, what God has given you. And he said he did that based on the talents that were given. You guys with me on this? Right? And so it's fortunately, and I said, now, this is obviously the next part of scripture. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing the five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents here. I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. 
I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Right? Obviously, he wrote that in, and obviously, I got rewards from that in that scenario. Right? Second, next, the next part. And he who had two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. I have made two more talents. More. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Here's where it gets interesting. He had also received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you had to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. Now I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers at my coming. I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give him uh, give him who, give it to the one who has 10 talents. So basically he took his one, gave it back, and gave it to who? The one with 10 talents. And there's multiple lessons here. Obviously you can get lost in some of the, the, the verbiage there. But basically God rewards the one there with talents and one who obviously gets a return on what's done there. Interesting part here. Go to the next part. right? So Matthew 25, 14, 30 here, verse 29 says, For to everyone who has will more, sorry, for everyone who has will more be given and he will have an abundance. So for everyone who has, will more be given, and he will have an abundance. So what it says here, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. So what does that say there? What do you guys take from that? It's obviously a little complicated in the verbiage there. I don't like that, that tra translation necessarily. But what do you take from there? So it's one of those things that it's one of those things that it's interesting to look at based on that. And it says here, even that he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness in that place where he will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, which is this interesting to look at um, kind of the piece of that, the brutalness. And you can obviously take it different ways, but just a great example and kind of an example of just how there is a spiritual aspect to money and abundance and how you look at life, right? And the guy broke it down way deeper than I am. Obviously, I'm an amateur understanding a lot of that, but it makes a lot of sense from that way. And so I want to kind of get you guys to understand a little bit deeper and kind of open up. It's like, look, how do you obviously not look at spiritual not be money? And obviously, based on that verbiage and those scriptures that I mentioned, 800 uh, mentions of money, 2,300 verses on money, wealth, and possessions, 11 and 39 parables you just used were about money. Obviously, that shows what? Money's a pretty big deal. Right? It's very important in terms of how things are operated and really how you steward those opportunities that you have both in yourself and both the money that you have. And there's two ways to look at that overall in that scenario. And so here's the crazy part about money, right? Money is the leading cause of stress in marriage. It's the second reason, second highest reason people get divorced. You know why? What number one is? Adultery, right? But guess what causes adultery? Stress about money. Uh, CNBC article. From 2018, the larger the difference in credit scores between the spouses, the higher the likelihood of divorce. Interesting piece, right? Because what happens is there's not a steward there of money, right? They don't take care of their opportunities. They make bad decisions. And what happens? It creates stress. And then it creates what? Disconnect. What comes next? It's a killer of any marriage or any relationship. Resentment. It's the killer of any relationship business-wise. People don't have a conversation about things that bother them. They'll let it go, let it slide, let it slide, let it slide, and all of a sudden it builds resentment, and then that's what ultimately kills relationships, right? Because they don't talk about it, which is interesting enough. 
And so this just kind of setting a frame about what's my belief about money. And we'll talk about some of that and it gets a little deeper. I'm just kind of setting the frame of that interesting piece there, right? Financial stress also affects the body. Have you ever skipped a workout? You're stressed eating or drink, drank, right? Stressed eating or stressed drank, both alcohol or food or whatever it is in that scenario. Uh, in the evening to, to escape financial mess you put yourself in. You ever oscillate between feeling numb, stuck, scared, and exhausted because you're consumed with the thoughts that you can't believe you let yourself be in this financial stress? Right? Answer for everybody in this room at some point is what? Yes. Right? Some now, some are past that, but it's interesting to look at. And I want to use, and some of you guys have gotten to abundance, but I want you to look at why the cycles kind of affect themselves. Everybody's affecting this. Do you feel yourself getting sick because your body can't hold up under the financial stress? And so obviously the stress piece does your marriage, right? Relationships, it also does your body, aka your what? Your health. And literally can make people sick, right? And I've seen it happen over and over and over in that scenario. Stress is number one killer in terms of heart attack, right? Because people make bad decisions or they don't do the work or they don't do what needs to be done. But a lot of times what I'm, the reason I'm sharing this today is because it really was an aha for me that sometimes the reason people don't do the work so they don't believe it's possible or it has to do with their belief about money. Where money's too hard to get or money's not really for me or I can never be anything and that all comes down to your belief about money. And we'll talk about that in a second, right? Financial stress also affects the spirit. And this is a great example we talked about. Is your, your stress prevents you from hearing God. Financial stress also affects your career, right? If you have no savings or you lose your job, you're screwed within a month or two, right? Your investment portfolio is correlated to the economy. So if the economy goes wrong and you have financial loss there and you have a, a job loss or something simultaneously, but most of you are just weeks or months from a place where they're obviously in financial ruin, right? Because of how they operate in that scenario. And so here's the thing. You end up working the job for the money instead of maximizing your gifts, meaning that you work for the money instead of working for the pleasure. Does that make sense? And if anybody's ever gone from that, myself included, is when money was a big deal, it was very stressful. When I got money, I started doing it for the love of the job or the love of the purpose. And guess what happened? It became more fun. It became more enjoyable. And all of a sudden, guess what came afterward is the byproduct, which is money. And we'll talk about that in a future, in a, in a, in a few minutes, right? All is important. But here's the crazy part. I say all that to say this. Is it your success? In building your financial foundation, won't be determined by your salary or your savings. It's determined by one thing. What do you think it is? It's your mindset about money. Your mindset about money. What do you think that means? How do you feel about money? What else? You go back to what I talked about with the worldview, which is also what? Your stories, your values, beliefs and rules about money. And so the one thing I want you to do is you understand your success in real estate or life or anything comes down to your mindset about money, right? And your mindset about money is built on your beliefs about money. Your mindset on mo about money is built on what? Your beliefs about money. What do you think that means? How you manage money, what else? Your story on each one, right? So for most people, just a few examples of that is that money is scarce, so you have to hold on to it, right? I'm not good with money, so I, if I make a lot of money, I'll lose it all. I have lots of, if I have lots of money, I'll be alone. Money is hard to manage, so I'll never be able to keep it. When you have money, you have to give up your freedom. I want to be religious, spiritual, so having money is inappropriate. The world is a zero sum, so for every winner, there must be somebody a loser. I'll never have money because I'm not lucky. I have what I have. And it's wrong to go beyond that. I don't deserve to have money because I'm worthless. 
I must put others first uh, before me because I don't want to be selfish. It takes perfection to make money. If I have lots of money, I'll be finished with life. It takes money to make money, right? And there's all these other stories. Money is the root of all evil. You must be dishonest to be successful. If I have money, I'll lose my friends. If I can't earn more money than my dad because that would mean that I was better than he was, right? There's all these things that we have to do. And the one thing I want you to do as a salesperson is to do what? I want you to investigate or inspect your beliefs about money. And look back into the top five or six things that you've ever said about money or think about money or think about successful people. In terms of that, and I kind of created another list about people that the top limiting beliefs that people have about money. I can't make money doing what I love, right? Making money involves hard work. Money is root of all evil. My life would be out of control if I'm rich. Money doesn't buy happiness. It takes money to make money. I need sizable capital to have any type of business. I'll never have enough money. I will never have any extra money. Uh, money's not important. After that, after all, it's just money, right? Money's he spent. So it's one of those things. It's two types of people. There's people that don't have a belief they should have money, so guess what they don't have? Money is people that earn money where they do. They believe they don't have it, so they do what? They spend it as soon as they get it, right? And so it's just the habits that people have based on beliefs. And so the one thing I want you to do as a salesperson is sometimes take some time to investigate. And there's actual whole thing you can go through. You can write down your top 10 beliefs about money. And there's going to be two types I'll talk about, okay? And so the important thing to look at in that scenario. And so these are what we call what? Limiting beliefs. And so the key there is to look back and say, look, where have I had limiting beliefs about money and what are they? There's 50 plus ones here in that scenario. And uh, that scenario, one thing you kind of do to kind of investigate that too is let go of the past mistakes you made in financial management, right? People screw up before. They tend to hold on to that mistake for so long that it holds them hostage. They become a prisoner of their previous mistake in money. And so what happens is that story drives them and it drives their self-worth. And so what happens? They follow that story. They follow that story. They never recover. Right? And so it's important to understand that that's not something that's a life sentence. That's just something that happened previously in the past. Number two, get rid of the scarcity mindset. Embrace the abundance mindset. Number three, feel thankful for everything you have. Number four, identify what you want. Commit to it. Number five, de declare your commitment to money. Number six, be aware of your thoughts and feelings about the money. Number seven, this is important, challenge your beliefs. Number eight, reprogram your money beliefs. And uh, there's some positive beliefs about money that you want to reframe that to. And I have this written down in a second. But I want you to talk. there's two main ways that people look at beliefs, and this is where people screw it up. So people look at beliefs about money. Let me change the colors. In two ways. Look at them as what? What do you think? Good or bad? And I want you to consider that it doesn't have to be good or bad in terms of beliefs. And I want you to say, look, I want to investigate my beliefs about how I was brought up, about how I operate in the truth, about how I operate in this place. And say, look, it doesn't have to be in good or bad. I want you to look at your beliefs about everything in two ways. Useful or limiting. What's the difference there? Yes, once I take time to investigate what my belief is, I want to ask myself the second question, which is what? Is this useful or not? Because most of the beliefs you have about money aren't true. And I still have, I struggle with the scarcity piece every single day. And so it's not until you're willing to stop and pause and look at those things and investigate what are the things you're doing. Because here's the thing, most of you guys think it's conscious. But most of the beliefs you have about money are what? 
unconscious. You have no clue about how you're truly operating. And so the gift that you can get from this is you slow down and start looking at yourself and saying, look, what are the unconscious beliefs I have about money and where am I living in unconscious scarcity? And that's the gift that can bring freedom in how you operate. And, it, and you got to think it still goes on for years and years. And I've been in a place of abundance for a long time through coaches and mentors and obviously business and paying the price. But I still struggle with that every day. Right. And so it's one of those things that you just and for me, it's kind of a gift because I'm very frugal in terms of that. But the reality is how much has that limited me? So it made me be very, very hesitant. And also, I started our company in 2008 when everybody who did a lot of investments lost their everything. And so it made me be very, very conservative, too conservative on my investment side. So now I've figured that out and investigated that the past couple of years. I try to get much more better plan to do so. Does that make sense? And so part of that comes down to taking time and spending time investigating your unconscious limiting beliefs because the reason they're the most deadly is they're unconscious. You have this unconscious belief about what? Money and scarcity. And so that's the thing I want you guys to kind of be aware of. And I've talked about this a long time ago. But you want to look and say, understand, because I want you guys to pull back on the good versus bad and look at everything in your life as useful or limiting. Do these beliefs I have helped me? Are they useful or are they limiting? Doesn't matter if they're right or wrong. Let's say it's right, but it's limiting me. Is that really right for my life? No. All right, just like why anybody is a certain political affiliation, most of that comes with what? How your parents were. And if not your parents, then how your school was. Most people, same thing, watch people pull for the same sports team for 30 years, who's terrible, and the only reason they pull for that sports team is why? Because their dad pulled for it. They don't know even why. And they'll fight, they'll literally fight people in a parking lot over a sports team they don't own because of what their dad ingrained in them. Zero ownership of that. And so it just goes to show that once you to investigate that and have some of that, and like I talked about, we inherit most of our beliefs from our parents in correlation to, and here's the kind of thing that I took away from that, we inherit most of our beliefs from our parents in correlation with how they led their lives. Not necessarily what they taught us, but what? How they led their life, their example they gave. They're unconsciously being what? Ingrained in their head just like you were your entire life. And so the freedom that you want to get when you start investigating these beliefs that you have and these laws and these rules that you have about money and scarcity and how do you uncover those and how do you start changing the beliefs? The first step is what? After investigating. Recapping here. First step is doing what? Is to make sure you investigate, are they useful or are they limiting? And part of that, one of the exercises that, that, that I saw online, different, I was just kind of doing some research on this, is that they have 10 lines and they kind of write down your 10 most limiting beliefs about money or success. And they could be anything and things your parents probably said, things that you said before. Um, and a lot of times it comes down to just people think that for someone to make money, that someone has to lose. And that's not necessarily the case, right? But here's the deal. Those beliefs that your parents had about money and how they live their lives create the beliefs in you. And sometimes, like I mentioned, people get so pissed off about how their parents live their life, you create a different life for you. That's why most successful self-made people come from, is they had a very tough life and they wanted what? The opposite, right? And they want better for their children in that scenario. So either way, I want you to understand those beliefs that you've got, they're influencing you or the beliefs your parents had are influencing you. And so once we have beliefs that we're aware of, we have to understand we have beliefs that we're aware of and unaware of. And the key is start to investigate our, our beliefs about money, right? I talk about a lot of people money is the root of all evil. I'm not smart enough to have money. It takes money to make money, right? All these things and the limiting beliefs that you had about money are what's holding you back from becoming who you're supposed to become. 
I'll say it again. Your limiting beliefs you have about money is what's holding you back from the person that you're supposed to become, which I think is very, very important to look at. Because for you to be successful and have the true use of the talents that you were given, you have to have what? And I'm using the talents in terms of that the, the parable I read out earlier. Right? For you to double those talents that you were given, you have to have what type of mindset? Abundance, right? You need beliefs that are empowering to you. Right? And so I want you to take a look at some of the big blocks people have about money, and I need you to find a way to reframe them.